So the big question is this, how do most agents who don't have access to the secrets that the top agents hoard to themselves grow and prosper in today's real estate environment? That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. I'm Pat Hyben, and welcome to Real Estate Rockstars. And now, for the review of the day, AO2322, brilliant, Listen to two episodes this morning on my commute, brilliant information, wrote down two things to implement today, and have a few chuckles as well, can't wait for more episodes, five stars, keep the comments coming guys, I love them, and remember, I eat feedback for breakfast, so give me a one star review if you want. Or a five-star review if you want. I don't care. And the more reviews we get, the better guests we get. So please, subscribe first and then leave us a review or wherever you're listening. Okay, Rockstar Nation, we have a great guest today coming from Raleigh, North Carolina. I got Mr. Jim Allen on the line, and Jim is making a lot of waves there and kicking butt. He's the number one Caldwell Banker agent in the world, both in units and in volume, which is hard to do. Normally, it's two different people holding those categories up. So we need to find out what he's doing, how he's doing it, so we can do more of it. So without further ado, Jim, Welcome to Real Estate Rockstars. Great to talk to you, Pat. Thanks for having me today. I'm excited. Why don't you give everybody a little rundown on who you are so they can get to know you better? All right. Well, I mean, the most important things to know about me, first, I'm a Christian, and second, I'm a dad, and, and I'm an active dad. I'm an old dad, too. I had my kids. I'm 55, and I have a 9- and an 11-year-old. Oh, so wow. I, Okay. I started, started a little bit late with it because I was so busy getting my real estate career started. All right. How's that working out for you? Pretty good? You staying Perfect. active with the 9 and 11-year-olds? Oh, absolutely. Coach their baseball teams, play basketball with them. Can't, can't walk today because I tried to play them two-on-one yesterday. Can't <laughs> walk today. That, that's the one thing I'm going to tell you. You still got to get down and be active, but boy, it hurts the next day. What about your real estate business? What's that like, Jim? Well, I mean, you know, past 12 months is an example. I closed $397 million last year. I had sold around 1,163 homes and had a gross commission of a little over $10 million. Wow. So that was a Holy that was dirt. I don't know if I've year. talked to somebody that's had a gross commission. $10 million. All right. Yes, so sir. let's talk about this $10 million. Like, What's your net profit on that $10 million? Well, I have about 20% overhead, just like everybody else does. So I, mean, I, you know, and I that's, Well, no, I keep my overhead at 20%. Wait, no, wait. I, so I, you're I, saying, what if, I, I, I took I out the cost of goods sold. I took out the cost to pay your agents, your broker, call a banker mm -hmm. gets their cut, the agents get their cut. Expenses, advertising, all gets their cut. What's left? End of the, end of the day, right at $7 million. Really? Yes, sir. That's awesome. I really yep. don't know if anybody runs a real estate team business that makes $7 million. I mean, you know, a couple, $2 million maybe. 
Well, there are there are several of us. I mean, obviously, I not out there on a branch by myself, but there's you know there's two or three of us or four or five of us around the world, and you know it's something you, you don't do overnight. Obviously, it's, it's a plan of action. How I got here, to be honest, well, actually, my first year with Prudential, who I was with before Coldwell Banker, I went to a national convention with them. I'd been in a local brokerage for 13 years, never joined an affiliation. I went to a national convention and. All these guys were running around with these little blue tags on and, you know, that said Pinnacle Club. I had no idea what that meant. So I I walked up to one of them and said, hey, what is that Pinnacle thing? You know, I don't have one of those. He said, that means we're top 10 agents in in the world and and at the time for Prudential. So I went up and asked our owner of our company. I said, hey, what level of production do I have to get to to be up there. And of course, I wasn't even in the top 100 agents at the time. And he looked at me and laughed and said, well, nobody from our area could ever do that because our sales prices don't get there. And I said, well, I mean, humor me. Tell me what the, the bottom guy in both categories did. So he told me and, you know, I came back, I posted those two numbers on my wall for the following year. And I went from 150-something in the country to number six in units and number eight in GCI in one year because I was focused on that goal. And somebody laughing at me kind of made me more inspired to go do it. The fact that somebody from my area had never done it inspired me even more. When I go to these big national events, the majority of my competitors that are on the level I'm on are from California or from Florida. And when I go to those events, they are like stymied. They look at me and say, good Lord, how could anybody sell 1,200 houses a year? That's ridiculous. And, you know, and then they look at my, they say, gosh, you know, to do the kind of volume you've got, your volume must be all off of big purchases. Well, Really not. I, I sell very few million dollar homes and my average sales price is about three sixty two. So three sixty two. Well let me well let me ask you this, Jim, because I'm I'm sure everybody listening has the same questions. I know a lot of them are banging their heads on on against the side of their car driving down the road saying, What the hell is he doing with that sort of how how in the world does he have this profit margin like this? What is um what does your team look like? Well I've got I do have a, a good sized team, but I pay for parts of those things outside of this business, but I have... What does that mean? uh, I have four. Well, I I am a total resource for real estate. Like I started developing on my own. I've also started building companies. I reinvest in in downtown things. So I, I have alternative income sources in addition to what I produce in real estate. I can I can charge those expenses to my other companies or I've negotiated a, a fairly strong package with the brokerage firm that I work with. Yeah, but that, why would you if it all if it all trickles down to your personal return anyways, what different right. So here's the here's the thing. So well, the rest of my personal return, I'd prefer not to share, but it's yeah, no, no, I understand. But so the question is this: so, like, what kind of splits are your agents on? Uh, all the agents that work for me, the buyers' agents, and that assist me, are typically on a fifty or sixty percent split. So, if they're getting fifty or sixty, then how can you maintain it at thirty? You know, how can you? You know what I mean? Fifty. Let's say it's fifty-five plus seventy. That's one hundred and thirty-five. Because on the listing side, I'm still the one that produces the majority of the volume directly myself. 
Um, I probably have the largest number of listings of anybody you've ever talked to. I uh, have in the 3,000 range of listings right now that I personally service and maintain. 3,000? So uh, these are builders, or how do you do this? I, neighborhoods I develop, builders that I represent their product, no, no nationals or anything, all local custom guys that I, from start to finish, create the lots first, then sell the lots to them, then resell the houses for them. And, you know, I also own uh, brokerage or builder companies myself and also invest in those building companies. And I have people that in key positions in those companies that run those companies for me. So, so for somebody listening, right, you know, how can they do this? How can they do what you do in their market if we're trying to help them? You know? Very, very easily. Because okay. first of all, I, I'm not even from Raleigh. So when I joined or came here, everybody told me, well, gosh, You'll never do well in Raleigh because it's such a tight-knit community that, you know, if you're not from here, you'll certainly never meet enough people to do it. Never hearing no is what I would tell every person, every listener. Every time you get success in your life, every time you take a step, there's always someone who can't wait to say no. I don't hear it. My mom used to say I have selective hearing. Someone can tell me no, and I just simply don't listen to it because no is just another yes to me. When I hear the word no, I think, so well, just, gosh, I, so I didn't present it properly. Yeah, so specifically, how do you present to a builder that they need to list their houses with you so you don't hear no? Give us some the, the some thing real, I life, do real life stuff here. Well, the thing I do differently, I think most agents that are trying to go out and attract builder business are looking for the builder to give them something. That's the first mistake. You could list your house with anyone. Why would they list to you if you're just looking for a handout just like all the rest of them? As a member of the Rockstar Nation, you may have noticed that every guest that comes on the show now is required to bring with them a free tool, an item of utility that real estate agents can use to drastically increase their sales and profits. Some of the things that have been brought have been ebooks, forms, reports, negotiating techniques, hiring guides, postcards, checklists open house secrets, newsletters that are sent out, sphere of influence forms, referral request forms, and the list goes on and on. If you would like to get this free toolbox full of items of utility, simply go to hybendigital.com backslash toolbox. That's hybendigital.com backslash toolbox or simply text toolbox to 444-999. That's toolbox to 444-999. So instead, I create the lots for them, whether it's urban infill, where I figured out how to tear down some lots and recreate positions for them, or, or actually going further out, which all of us, all municipalities, the, the real larger tracts of land are obviously located a little further away from the urban hub. So I may go put land under contract and bring that to the market. So I'm going to them and creating my own self. 
and my own business rather than sitting around waiting for them to give back. But it's a reciprocal street. If I'm going to provide opportunities for them when they get opportunities or they develop opportunities themselves, I expect them to share those with me in return. So during the downturn, especially, an awful lot of my friends, like before the recession in 2007, I was only doing about 127 million a year. So when you hear I'm right at 400 million a year now, working through those recession years, that's like meteoric growth in between there. And really what happened is I was like everybody else before 07. I was sticking my hand out begging people to give me business, but not giving them anything other than my service and my experience in return, which is invaluable. But that's not enough. When, you know, if someone comes along with a collection plate and is always asking you to give, 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 and you're that builder, that's not a comfortable feeling. They want to know what will you give me in return for that? How do you, how do you make a way for me to live? In our market, our local custom builders are really fighting off the big national guys, and they're having a difficult time finding lot and finding spaces to build, and they really aren't entrepreneurial enough to go out and maybe go to an older existing neighborhood and talk people into selling their home and then tearing down two side by side and creating four lots where two used to exist. That entrepreneurial spirit is something a builder can't say no to. You just created four lots in the best block there is in the city where there's absolutely no new construction. Pretty hard for them to say no giving you the listing if you're giving them the lots. And how are you getting the lot? Like, how, how can someone listening get a lot? What types of things do you have in place to find lots for builders? I can sit down with our current tax records. Like, I drive through different neighborhoods, and all of a sudden it hits me, gosh, you know what? These lots are so much bigger than the home sites that are on them. And if you can create four to five to six houses side by side, even in an area that doesn't match up to that price range wise. For example, let's say I, I'm riding through a community that the average sales price is 170, which would be a pretty expensive lot to build another 170 house on. I'm, I'm sure you'd agree. So instead, I would take that, let's say it's a half acre lot or it's a third of an acre lot. I would take that if it's a third of an acre and combine it with another third of an acre parcel next door and then go back and get those lots split out into fifth of an acre lots and create four fifth of an acre lots in that same position, be able to go back and sell those fifth of an acre lots for $90,000, let's say, and then create five houses there in the 400 range Mm. or four houses in the 400 range or the opportunities for that builder to build it. And all you need is the tax records in your local area to be able to do that. And it's a a fairly simple process unless there's some type of overlay district in that area that prohibits you from splitting the lots. But even in those cases, you can go in if you're close enough to the urban center to find the the highest rent districts around. It's funny, almost every metropolitan market immediately beside the most expensive houses is the least expensive houses three or four blocks away. 
And a lot of the bigger cities, Philadelphia and other cities, now have become such urban hubs where they're redoing their downtown areas and people are wanting to live closer and closer to work and get more in that walk and shop mode. It's perfect. In our, in our metropolitan market, the, the great thing is since you're mostly pushed out to urban sprawl for big developments of new construction, the, the cities themselves are just, I rode three of my agents yesterday down. There are 12 streets in our downtown area that people are redoing houses left and right in there. And it looks like a demolition zone. So much mm. is going on down there. What do you mean redoing? Just rehabbing, like flipping sort of rehabs? Or do you mean cutting the lots you, in two? You've got all three happening at one time. You've got some people who are buying the most expensive homes down there and, and rehabbing that house and turning around and flipping it. Mm-hmm. You've got other ones that are buying the least expensive ones on that block and just putting a house like they'll down in this one section I'm talking about, they'll buy houses for two seventy five and build back on it a seven hundred thousand dollar home on a two seventy five lot. But the house that they're constructing, if I were building it out in one of my more rural areas, the total cost of that house would probably be four fifty. Instead, I've now got a two hundred fifty lot underneath it and four fifty in cost on top of it. So it's a seven they're making the same profit they would for that other four hundred thousand dollar home, but it sells quicker at seven hundred in a better location. So, you know, The theory in real estate is location makes up everything, and it does. So that same builder can go out. Now, they're not making any more percentage of profit because it's a fixed dollar cost. But once you explain to them how it works, they love doing it, and those homes sell so quick you can't touch them. When I rode these three people around yesterday, they were absolutely amazed. They were telling me that you know they're just getting started and can't figure out where to do their business. So I rode them down just to show them how easily it could work. While we were down there, someone else had popped a sign up on a house down there <laughs> that was priced at two seventy five. So I took that two seventy five listing. We made them an offer yesterday for two fifty five. Hopefully, we'll get this worked out so later on today. We've been back and forth a couple of times, but I'll buy this home at two sixty. Do nothing absolutely to it. Go out and tear the house down. It'll cost me eight or $9,000 to tear down the house. And then I'll repackage it and sell it to a builder with $10,000 profit figured into that. And then I'll get that listing back as a $700,000 listing. Wait, that- so the builder's going to pay two seventy dollars for a lot or, or three hundred dollars for a lot with no house on it? Correct. Correct. And what are they going to build on that? They're going to build back a seven hundred thousand dollar home. Wow. Okay. Well, I guess that makes sense. And and it and it will sell quicker than they can turn their head. The average days on the market down in that area are two or three. Hmm. So it's you know it's exciting thing to do. But that's something I created with some other people during the downturn in the market. We'd never had urban infill here in our market because we always had enough land out there to produce lots for builders. Well, as we've come out of the recession. The landowners' land prices went up quicker than any other part of the market. So that those affordable lots in reasonable locations have gotten away from the normal buyer. This downtown market, which is filled with millennials and 
truly everyone wanting to live in that vibrant new recycled hub because the new businesses are built and things around it and you can walk and play our urban centers recreating itself. And, and I think most big cities are doing the same thing right now because they've run out of the urban sprawl land. I, we haven't necessarily run out of it, but this is one quick untapped thing that you can do quickly yourself and you create the lots. You don't have to go down to those more expensive ones I'm talking about. I found two other streets further out, still in a nice area for us. North Raleigh's one of our more desirable, inside the Beltline's our most desirable, but North Raleigh's probably our second most desirable area to live. And I can still go in there. I bought a house earlier this year that had had a vacant well lot next door. I bought the well lot next door for 60000 I bought the house for 230000 I turned around and split that into four lots, and I sold each of the four lots for 195000 apiece to builders. The builders, in turn, turned around and built $650,000 homes on it, which we sold all of them. So then I, not only did I make a profit on the other side, I made a prop, first I made a commission on the first half of it when I bought the lot in the house because somebody else had them listed and hadn't thought of this idea. Then I turned around and made a profit on the development side. And then I partnered with two of the builders to make part of their profit. The other two builders, I just sold lots to, but I got the listings on all of them. They were 5% commissions. I was on both sides of two of the transactions, and one one side of the transaction, I just simply made my listing transaction. So the way you do twelve hundred units is multiplying yourself. I mean, in a position <laughs> yeah, how, like how you, you've got three thousand listings. How do you maintain that? Like, how do you, what systems do you have in place? So I've, got, that, I've got four full time listing folks that help me out on that side of it. That do the input of my listings gain the market data uh, from agents, et cetera. So I have full-time, four full-time marketing assistants that help me on that end of it. Wow. Um, Who negotiates the contracts? uh, Myself, primarily. Wow. You're like negotiating every single day, right? I mean, like how many, I mean, you're having to sell four houses a day. I I sell normally five houses a day, four houses a day. And you're involved in, in half of those? Um, involved in all of those in some fashion. Yeah. As a member of the Rockstar Nation, you may have noticed that every guest that comes on the show now is required to bring with them a free tool, an item of utility that real estate agents can use to drastically increase their sales and profits. Some of the things that have been brought have been ebooks forms, reports, negotiating techniques, hiring guides, postcards, checklists, open house secrets, newsletters that are sent out, sphere of influence forms, referral request forms, and the list goes on and on. If you would like to get this free toolbox full of items of utility, simply go to hybendigital.com backslash toolbox. That's hybendigital.com backslash toolbox or simply text Toolbox to 444-999. That's Toolbox to 444-999. Now, do you do 
at normal listings too. Let's say someone has a house to sell for five hundred grand Absolutely. or three hundred grand. Absolutely. So my business is split up like this. I did about one hundred and twenty million dollars last year in normal listing business, the kind of business that you're talking about. Okay. The other the other two hundred and eighty million came from what I'm talking about from creating that business. But the 120 million is, you know, still of the largest in our city by far. The number two agent in our market did about 104 million last year, the wow. number of teams. So we essentially, by doing this other business or, or figuring out this other model, I have four times my second place competitor. So what sort of software, what sort of uh, CRM, phone applications, what sort of technology does somebody use like yourself to sell, you know, 1,200 houses or 100 houses a month almost? Well, you know what? I would love to tell you that I am the most tech savvy person in the world, but I'm not. I do. I have embraced technology out of necessity, but I'm also kind of a dinosaur in some ways. I mean, I like you know, your bonus question when we get to it, if you left me with my iPhone and any money, I could create a complete business with those two things. And and I probably wouldn't need the money other than just to eat off of. It well, let's elaborate on that. Let's elaborate on that. And what, what he's talking about, guys, is, of course, the question, our flagship question, which is if I put you, if I put Jim on a, a reality TV show with nine other agents and said, here's a thousand bucks, here's a cell phone, here's a computer. Everybody go out and sell as many houses as you can. You don't know anyone in, in this new location and you all have the same edge, the same advantage or disadvantage. Go get it. And whoever sells the most houses gets a $10 million prize in six months, let's say. How, Jim, how are you going to sell more houses than the other people on the show? So the first thing I'm going to do, instead of doing, everybody else is going to go call all the expireds, all the withdrawns. They're going to call all the for sale by owners. They're going to work that sphere. I would work that sphere for my additional income, but that I'm going to go instead and, and simply ride neighborhoods, look for blank lots. Most of the time, if you're in an older existing neighborhood, if there's a blank lot that no one's ever built on, that person may have even forgotten they own it. Or let's say, in the example of some lots I just bought a few weeks ago, you've got an absentee owner of those lots, and they were originally well and septic lots, and now they have city water and sewer sitting right in front of them, and nobody's ever gone and contacted the owner that lives in Florida that hadn't seen that property in 45 years. The covenants on the one I'm talking about were from 1957, and the person had owned the lot since 1959 and didn't know they owned them. So I would ride around and look for or identify open lot throughout communities first. That's one thing I would attack. Okay. Second thing, the second thing I would do is I would start paying attention to how many bigger homes are being built near these smaller homes in that market. And then I would step literally right on the edge of that last big new house that got built, go three or four houses down the street towards the bad section. And I would go identify and walk up and knock on that person's door. And I'd say, hey, listen, I know this is crazy and probably nobody's done this to you recently, but if you have any interest in selling your house, if I'll pay you top dollar and not charge you a commission right now, I'm a real estate agent trying to find a way. And then I'd go create a listing out of that immediately. That's, that's what I would do. And it would take me, you know, two and a half months to get the property 
get the lot torn down, get generated back in an area where I could make money off of it. And that's how I'd be making my money. Or I'd walk right up and say, listen, would you pay me 4% today if I had a buyer who would come buy your house tomorrow? And then I'd simply go out. And if, even if I was new to an area, I'd go pull up who the builder list is in that marketplace. And I would identify the top 15 or 20 builders there. And I'd call them all on the phone and say, hey, listen, do you guys have enough lots to build on? Every one of them are going to say no. I'd say, okay, I got a deal for you. If I start producing all the lots that you build your houses on for the next two or three years, will you give me the listings on anything currently you have that you haven't listed with anybody else? And I'd negotiate that deal with them. Then the next thing I would personally do is I would find the restaurants in that market, not fancy restaurants. The restaurants that are serving lunch, that do the most lunch business, and if especially if they've got a bar countertop, even better. And I would sit my fanny right in the middle of that hub, and I would, as the as the business people come in, I would pay attention to who's talking about houses because you can't go anywhere that there's not a conversation about real estate. And I would certainly have my, my name tag on, which immediately that person would identify with. But I'd insert myself in their conversations as being an expert in what they're sitting there talking about. I'd say, you know what? That's so cool. Listen, I, I know you've probably already got an agent you're working with, but you, you're bound to have friends that could use the service. I'll help you figure out the best way to go do what you're doing and let your other agent get paid. But give me the next referral you, you hang on to. And, and that, I mean, I, just simple generation of your own business versus sitting around waiting to catch flies. I think the thing that we are criticized as an industry most for is sitting around sticking signs in the yard and praying that it sells. Mm-hmm. That, that's what agents are accused of constantly. And instead, you've got to create your own vibe. And you know what? It's not being a salesperson. The person wants to buy a home. All you're doing is providing assistance to get them there and not being afraid. You know, conquering fear is, is half of our business. I mean, I, I, I would tell you the best thing that's ever happened to me in my life is being a failed engineer. Uh, that was what I started out as out of college as a materials engineer. And I did it and worked my fanny off for the first two years and the guy who had been there 42 years ahead of me i I came (laughs) out of college making thirty-five thousand a year the guy that was there 42 years ahead of me made eight thousand dollars more a year than me i'm thinking holy cow i can work 42 years and get that big leg up good gracious that looks exciting and you know had no idea you got paid on commission i i got my license in in college just to learn how to buy my own house got fed up with engineering one weekend and went out and asked all these people if I could get a job in real estate. Every one of them tried to hire me. I thought, man, I must be the greatest thing ever. And not even thinking about you only got paid on commission, walked in the office on Monday and the guy who every office has this guy, the guy that's the hang around guy that takes phone duty all the time. He, he says, listen, Hey, I'm going to go get a cup of coffee. Can you answer the phone, answer the phone, get the first lead call, go sell the first showing I ever made I sold to the people didn't know you had to have a lockbox key had no idea how I was going to get so paid. someone this guy's getting coffee and someone called in and said I want to see this house absolutely I go show that I go show the house get over there walk up the people are standing at the front door I didn't know you had to have a lockbox key 
there's a lock on the door. I got no idea how to get in and cell phones didn't exist yet. So I told him, Hey, hang on right here. It's like 90 degrees outside. I go to a pay phone down the street, call back the office, which thank God I wrote the phone number down before I left because I didn't even know where the agency was. Called them on the phone and said, Hey, listen, I'm out here trying to show a house. I can't get in this thing. Well, we'll come meet you right now because you got to have a lockbox key, and I didn't have one yet. So got them to meet me there. Needless to say, any obstacle can get in your way, but that didn't get and mine. Did right? they buy yeah. it? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Stayed there till 930. I was going to get it done <laughs> one way or the other. Next morning, though, I go to my office. That same Burt Deets guy was standing there at the front desk. And telling me how, and I hope you saved your money. It's going to be six months. You'll never make a sale if you, you won't make a living, this and that and the other. He had failed at the furniture industry already. And we're standing there talking. I'm like, holy crap, I got no backup plan. This, this ain't going to work. And I decided right that minute, I was going to outwork everybody that there was anywhere around me. And you know what I found out? The harder I work, the luckier I've gotten. <laughs> and the truth, brother. It's never changed, but everybody wants the get rich quick idea. The one I just gave you is hard, demanding way to do it, but you can't fail in any market. If you go out and create those listings the way I describe, I could, you could drop me off. What, what city do you live in? I live near Charleston, South Carolina. Or you could drop me off in Charleston tomorrow. As long as I had a real estate license, I could do it in your market tomorrow. I could find a way to, to do what I do anywhere in the country. If I would take that challenge from anybody to give me one month to create four business opportunities like that, I could do it in a month. I could do it shorter period of time than that, but obviously I wouldn't know anything about that city, so I'd have to figure it out, but I would do it. How many, like, and, so like how many builders, different builders, would you say do you deal with on a, on, on, in a year? That's the bad news part. Last year, 270 different builders. What? 200. How, how do you keep them all happy? How do you, how do, I mean, like, why? First of all, why doesn't one builder say, you know, I want 100 lots? I mean, you, you know, so, why, why are there so many little, is there that many little builders? 270 different yeah, builders? We have, you, we have over 400 local custom builders in our market. We're the, wow. we're the, from that side of it, we have the most small custom builders of anywhere in the country. How now, do you make them all happy? How do you make it like, you know, you get these four lots. Like, why wouldn't one builder mm -hmm. just say, I'll take all four? And they would like to. That That's the balancing act for me. It's not going to create the listings. It's not, it's figuring out who do I feed next. I mean, that that is the challenge. You just identified the biggest challenge in my business now isn't trying to get business. It's figuring out who I'm going to feed with the business I procure. Yeah, because, I mean, it'd be a lot easier for you to say, here, Phil, you know, take all four of them and be done with it. But And I was wondering why that one scenario you said earlier, like one builder got this one, another builder got this one, and I partnered with them, another one did this. And I'm like, well, four different builders are building there. I mean, it's got to be chaotic. I mean, I, it, it would be much simpler to do it the way you're suggesting. But guess what? I get to know these people's families. I get to know their kids. And I know they all have economic need. And I really do believe we're providing a service. I mean, the reason we get paid the way that we get paid is we're providing an economic service to other people. And an awful lot of these 
builder friends of mine were failed builders or failing builders during the downturn that I stepped in and tried to help them because I'd been making all my money off these guys for 20 years before the downturn in our market in 08. And, you know, everybody else kind of turned it back to them. Instead, I reached a hand out when that part of the times came and now it's paying off like uncontrollably. I mean, I helped seven or eight people and then they brought their whole war chest of guys that needed a little bit more help or guys that didn't need any help at all, but appreciated the fact that I was willing to help their friend. I mean, I, I, I do believe from that perspective, God rewards the people that are good stewards of the things he puts in our path. And, you know, I, believe it or not, I have almost no infighting from people. Like if I tell one person, hey, I'm going to give these lots to this person instead, they're like, well, he must need them worse than I do. I mean, so, really. You know, how, what, how, do you have a checklist with 270 names of, of local builders and you check if they if you check off who's gotten something recently? Like, how do you decide? I wait till they call me and tell me they need it. I mean, they know I'm the resource. And, mm. and it's funny, uh, you know, I didn't know I was the resource until all of a sudden people started telling me how I was. You know, we were becoming it before I realized we were the resource. And you know, during the downturn, one of my greatest resources of business was the local banks here. The the local custom builder had given back lots or other folks had given back lots. And, you know, friends of mine were in the banking industry and said, hey, I got this lot over here. Would you do anything with it? I just went out and bought them all or started trying to buy them up and then resold them to other people. Yeah, well, the great well, the greatest part is now you're just the middleman. So you're not, you know, when it does when the tide does turn, when winter comes, the you know you're not going to be stuck holding the bag. It's going to be the right. holding the bag, and and you're just the pass through at this point. So that's right. you're protected. Yeah, that's right. And you yeah, know what though, I, I've learned from downturns in markets is another one's coming. It's just a matter of when is it going to come, and you try to position yourself as well as you can to prepare for it. Now. None of us want to be sitting around waiting for the next doom and gloom to come. But when it does come, rather than being upset about it, you roll your sleeves up and you go back to work. And business still gets created and done during that downturn. I, I told you my business more than tripled during the downturn. I literally, I had one off year in 08 and came back in 09 and had my best year ever the, the very next year. Our market wasn't even considered in recovery until two years later. But, you know, I instead of sitting on the side, I was listening to a bunch of my friends cry. But my parents always told me sitting around whining about stuff doesn't help you. You got to get out and kick butt and do it. Indeed. And my parents also told me you put your pants on the same way everybody else does. Don't look at somebody else with envy. Instead, try to figure out how they did it or try to figure out a better way to do whatever they did. You know, that's, and the other thing you want to make sure that you're doing along the way is help other people help themselves. And that's what I've tried to achieve is helping other people. I mean, these builders I'm talking about, they're my best buddies now. I mean, the one of them was sitting in here this morning and we were having a, a great conversation about his kids in college, et cetera. And even though our market's supposed to be robust now and in full recovery, this is a guy who's struggling a little bit still. And we were sitting here talking through his business model and his plan and trying to figure out ways to make him more profitable. 
and to teach him how to pay himself. I mean, you know, I'm not getting paid doing that, but guess what? One of these days I will, you know, I'll reap the reward from it in some way, somehow. It might just be a kind word one day. But wow. now, now, are you investing, Jim? Are you are you buying and do you have a rental portfolio or are you just... Stay you know what? I, I, I used to have enormous rental portfolio and two of my partners still do. I have been selling my, my rental portfolio off over the last four years because... Mm. First of all, it's made an enormous amount of money, but uh, the truth is I, I'm better reallocating my resources. I can make the money back quicker by doing these urban infill things I'm doing, and the percentage that I can make off of my money doing that, I can't make in other places, and that's kind of a recession-proof business. You know, Even in the worst of times, there's going to be certain areas that still do well, and so I'm putting my focus there. Even paying a management company to handle your rentals, to be totally honest with you, is just still burdensome. You know, that first time somebody calls you and tells you they can't make the rent payment, I'm one of those guys, I'm going to give them two, two months break and not have to pay me and end up stuck. So I'm not a good landlord. Even if I have someone else manage it, at some point they're going to ask me and I'm going I'm to fold and say, okay. Well, that's awesome. Well, Listen, Jim, let's wrap this up. I'm going to put all of Jim's information on hybendigital.com backslash Jim Allen. That's hybendigital.com backslash Jim Allen. And Jim, you had mentioned as part of the free gift that you're going to give everybody to include in our Real Estate Rockstars toolbox was going to be uh, creative new kitchen tips for the kitchen. So I'm going to put that uh, brochure on uh, Jim's show notes, and we appreciate you at Rockstar Nation, Jim. I appreciate it. Thanks, Pat. It was great. It was great to talk to you. And one thing I want everybody out there to remember: when you get measure of success, you owe it to the next generation of real estate to teach them to get where you are. They won't take your business away; they'll emulate it, which will make your business even grow more. Jim, thanks so much for coming on today, and we really appreciate you, and best of luck to you if I'm in uh, Raleigh, North Carolina. I will uh, get together with you. We'll break some bread. I, I appreciate it. And listen, by the way, I read every day. I get stuff online from your company. I read the tips you put there. I will tell you, if people put the things in practice that you put out daily, guarantee their business will quadruple. Because I, I sit there and read every day in amazement with the ideas you put out. So I appreciate it. Thanks for Thank helping you. us. I appreciate you, buddy. Have a great day and thanks for coming on. You too, Pat. See ya. Thank you for tuning in to Real Estate Rockstars. Please subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you may be listening. If you haven't already, please give us a review. I don't care whether it's a one-star review or a five-star review. We eat feedback for breakfast and we need your reviews. Also, the more reviews we get, the better our guests become. Thanks again for listening and find me on social media simply by typing in my name. I'm Pat Hyben and keep rocking. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>